When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the NUFC blogcast. After a 2-2 draw away against Wolves at the weekend, we're going to talk about it, we're going to review it. Are we absolutely shattered? Was it a good point or a costly slip? We've also got Paul of the Week Twitter questions, FYI man, and we look ahead to the Man United game on Wednesday. All of that to come on the NUFC blogcast. So, Ollie, um... A draw away in the Premier League is always a good result, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? We didn't we didn't look anywhere near our best. Like you said there in the intro, we were knackered. It was clear how, well, how had to go with pretty much the same group that played against Dortmund. And they were already tired. You can see at the end of that Dortmund game, we were given everything to get back into it, but we were shattered. And then with all of the injuries, we didn't really have the luxury of rotating. So I think it was expected that we were going to be tired it was probably expected that we weren't maybe going to be at our best because it's we've said for a while now we're having to play twice a week in whether it's the Champions League or Cup games. The schedule's been so busy. And if you mix that with the injuries and the high intensity that we play at, it's a tough, it's a tough mix, isn't it? So the performance wasn't good. I thought Wolves were probably the better team. I think they were the more threatening team. They looked the most likely team to score. Um and I think really, even though we took the lead twice, obviously went one nil up, went two one up. It's always disappointing to lose when you've took the lead twice. Not to lose, to draw, sorry. But um, but I think yeah, on the balance shown, of play... You've shown what it feels like by saying, accidentally yeah. saying lose. Because it does, it yeah, does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I suppose the West Ham away game before... Was it before the last international break? I think it was. Um, that was a disappointing one where we came back in the second half. We went 2-1 up and then obviously Kudu scored late on to get a draw. And that felt a bit of a sickener because in the second half we did enough to beat them. But it was ultimately one of those games again where we taken the lead and then not not got the win and the Wolves game was the same sort of result but a different sort of feeling because I think we kind of knew we didn't we really didn't do enough to, to deserve the win and it would have been pretty fortunate really um had we came away with the win so so yeah I think it's one of those games where we can understand why the team's so tired and and struggling given the injuries but I suppose that in itself is a concern because the, the games aren't going to slow down are they we've got Man United to come Wednesday night. We've got Arsenal on Saturday. We've got Dortmund the week following in midweek. Then we've got Bournemouth away, a long trip down south. So the games aren't going to get easier in terms of in terms of who we play and, and the sort of standard of teams we play and the schedule. So we're going to have to get used to it. And I think it's more just a concern because this is kind of the the result or the impact of of injuries and fatigue. So we're going to have to to just keep keep on going on. Really, that's all we can do and hope we we can do enough. Because I suppose if 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 tiredness levels are, are to that level that we saw against Wolves each week we're really going to struggle to get the results we need but um yeah I mean we play so yeah. a, we play a high high energy high pressing game as well which doesn't help and then with a squad squad stretched I mean who were the good performers who were the bad performers a few people have sort of commented on on Trippier suddenly his his form and his his, his passing and everything yeah. kind of taking a nosedive he gave the ball away in very untrippier like fashion a number of times against Wolves yeah I mean I think, as I said, after the Dortmund game, that in itself was a rare off day for him. He just didn't quite have the same impact on the ball. He wasn't quite as creative or 
more reliable in possession. He just looked a little bit sloppy for his for what what a really high standards that he set. I mean, before Dortmund, we were talking about him being the best right back on the planet at the minute, and I still stand by this. this despite two poor games, he, I don't think there's a better right back at the minute based on what he's offering going forwards and defensively. Mm. But it is it is true, isn't it? He was offered against Dortmund and against Wolves, especially in that first half, whether it was his passing. He's kind of, he was loose in the tackle as well. There was a point where I think Huang might have burst past him and it was by Trippier's high standard, it was all too easy. He looked, mm. I don't know whether he's carrying an injury. I don't know whether he's exhausted. Obviously he is 33 now, which isn't really, really old, but for a fullback who gets up and down the line, it's quite, it's, you don't see and he many... plays every game. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and, and every minute pretty much, other than I think maybe against Palace he came off early and Livermento came on because we had the luxury of changing. But uh, yeah, generally he plays the full 90. So yeah, maybe maybe fatigue's coming in coming into it for him as well. But yeah, he was definitely off it, wasn't he? Normally, normally he's so reliable. But I think with Trippier, he sets his standards so high. Like he's literally an 8, 9 out of 10 every week prior to Dortmund and, and Wolves. So... I think his standards are so high that when he's off it, you notice it even more. But he definitely was off it against Wolves. It it wasn't even an average performance. It was probably his worst, arguably his worst performance for Newcastle. Um, mm. So that's a bit of a concern, but also maybe just a sign that he does need a rest. So, yeah, um, and, and we don't seem to give him one, do we? Even even sort of when we were looking sloppy, it seemed Eddie Howe just didn't want to bring on Livermento or Hall, and a lot of yeah. fans have have pointed at that and said, "What's going on?" Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think there's a debate on both sides here because fans see it as we've spent a lot of money on those two. I mean, I think combined it was almost about 60 million, wasn't it, for the pair? So when you're spending that much money, you look at it and think when Trippier's tired, when Burns on a book, and surely this is the time to bring them on. But then on the flip side, I think you have to look at it and think it was a pretty intense game. Wolves were on top. Obviously, Trippier and Burn have bags of experience and like that defensive know-how. Is it really the time to bring on an 18-year-old Lewis Hall? I mean, he might be 19 now, but he's very, very young. Um, and, and Livramento, who, yes, he was brilliant against Man City and he's one star for us so far, but he probably still isn't fully up to speed. Again, he's very young. I think he's only 20. So there's an argument that, obviously, that when are they going to learn if you don't throw him in at the deep end and give him the chance? But maybe how was reluctant to change the defence and the shape in a, in, a, in a time at a match where maybe a youngster could have could have struggled or you, or you could have ruined their confidence had things gone badly for them. So I can say arguments on both sides, I think, but, um, but yeah, it does, it does create that debate, doesn't it? When we've spent that much money um, on two fullbacks who obviously have taken up the a bulk of our summer budget in moments like that, when Trippy is knackered and burns on a book and if they're not going to, if you're not going to bring them on then, when are they going to kind of get that game time? But, uh, mm. but I think that will come against Man United. So um, I can see well, both we'll, sides, really. We'll, we'll do our team predictions for Man United uh, in a bit. But, I mean, we need some perspective, right? There's, so there's a few people, as usual, on Twitter or X, which is a very, um, you know, down-to-earth, reasonable platform. Everyone's very sensible. No, they're not. <laughs> they have gone uh, sort of throwing the baby out of the bathwater again, saying, oh, we're knackered. It's going to go all wrong. You know, Eddie Howe doesn't know what he's doing. Why is he not bringing these players on? A bit of perspective is needed, right? We're actually, we've had a better start to the season with harder fixtures than last season. Yeah, I mean, I think as always, you get the small minority who basically are very reactive when when we lose a lead and start to get annoyed and pointing the fingers and saying, "Oh, we're not going to get top four if we keep throwing these win these leads away." And why is and how bringing on these players we've spent sixty million on? And I think, I think really, for in terms of perspective, it's obviously that word that some people get frustrated by because sometimes you have to just call a spade a spade. But I think for weeks now on this podcast, we've said how well we've done to play 
a midweek game in the Champions League, and there haven't been easy midweek games, trip to the San Siro, home games against PSG and Dortmund. So to go from midweek games in the Champions League against those teams or a midweek game against Man City to the Premier League, and then again, Champions League, Premier League, Champions League, Premier League, it's tough. And I think for so long now, we've actually coped with that brilliantly. We're, we responded to the Milan game with an 8-0 win at Sheffield United. We followed the City win in the Cup with a 2-0 win over Burnley. We beat PSG 4-1, and then we very nearly got a really good win at West Ham. So we've almost, I don't want to say we've been spoiled, but we've coped with the, the fixture schedule so far, so well, sorry, up until this point, that slips like this were bound to happen. And it, it's not like we've lost. I mean, if we went to Wolves and lost 3-0 and we were played off the park, there'd be there'd be more cause for concern. But it wasn't a sort of bright and away level of performance. We still, on another day, had that, how angle not gone in? We we could have nicked it, and I know on the balance we've said that Wolves were the better team. Obviously, our goals were quite fortunate. Sars' uh, mistake for Wilson's first goal wouldn't normally happen, and there's also arguments that the penalty that we got for for Huang's tackle on Shaw wasn't even a penalty. So we have rode our luck probably at both ends a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to look back at our last ten games. We've lost once in amongst games against Milan, Man City, PSG, Dortmund. So, and West Ham away again, that was another tough game, as was Wolves, who've, in the last two home games, prior to us, they've drawn against Villa, who are flying. And we've had, Man City. you know, yeah, so, Barnes out, Botman out, you know, key players, you know, yeah. Barnes didn't it, but wasn't even able to become a key player, and Gordon's been electric, but, you know, Botman out, we haven't had the option of Barnes, you know, Isak's now gone. So, yeah, I think we've had, yeah, a, I think overall, if you gave me this start to the season, at the start of the season, I would have gone hundred oh, percent. We'll take that. Yeah. Four points in the Champions League group, um, you, you know, seventeen points in the league, still in the cup, definitely. I think the thing is as well the, the sort of rant I've just gone on there was all about the, the schedule. And as you've said, if you mix in the the tough schedule, the hectic schedule, you've also got all the injuries. And then on top of that, the, the Sandro Tonali situation, which it must have been a tough week for Eddie Howe for the player himself, but also for the squad who are kind of probably in limbo a bit, not really sure whether whether the new 55 million signing is going to play. They're probably trying to support him through this. And I know obviously the team get on with it, but it's it's probably throwing the club a little bit, the uncertainty of it, and obviously just a sadness around what he's dealing with. So as you as I say there, if you mix the bad start we made in terms of the, the Brighton, Man City, Liverpool defeats, if you look at how we've responded to that, given the hectic schedule, given the injury issues, the Sandro Tonali situation, yes, the Wolves draw was frustrating because it's another away game where we've been leading and we've we've surrendered the lead and we've, we've got a point but these these little setbacks are probably inevitable when you when you when you factor in all of the things i've just said and yes there's people who will say and maybe quite rightfully say we can't keep throwing away these leads and want and get top four because it's true there's this there's some pretty good pace setters in the premier league now we've seen how good spurs have been so far arsenal and man city are guaranteed to be towards the top liverpool are looking more like their old selves Aston Villa, they're currently five points clear of us and they're flying. So there's this pace setters at the top there who we need to keep keep with. And to keep with them, we can't really be throwing away those leads. But this is the challenge we all talked about over pre-season. We've got mm. our first season back in the Champions League and we're balancing that and the, and the hectic schedule that comes with it with going again in the Premier League with a more competitive Premier League to go with it. So it's mm. it was always going to be tough. And... Uh, I think, as you said at the start there, if you mix our high intensity with the, the hectic schedule, that's a, a recipe for disaster in terms of injuries, unfortunately, isn't it? Because Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. I mean, let's see Let's see what uh, the people think. What was the poll of the week this week? I think it was to do with this, right? 
Yeah, so I actually put this poll out on Saturday night. I thought I'd give it a couple of days. It got, I think, it got over three thousand votes, which was which was good, but bigger sample mm-hmm. size. And basically, the the question was: in the circumstances, how are you feeling after that two 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 draw at Wolves? So was it two points dropped, or was it one point gained? Um, it's obviously a big swing in perspective there because some people will mm-hmm. see it as, you know, we've we've we've, we've been two one up, so it can only be two yeah. points drops. Others think... will look at the circumstances and say it's a good point. But yeah, I, what what would I, your I, vote be? I think I'd say, I'd probably I imagine I'm going to be in the minority, but I think I'd say one point gained in the circumstances. I think we could have easily lost that game, easily. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean with the injuries and with the the way the game went. Um, yeah. I know we could have nicked it at the end and we had chances, you know, we had that header by Shah at the end that just went wide and that would have won it and all that. But I still Yeah, we did think... actually come on quite strong, which I think, yeah. I know it's it's kind of, we've been critical of the team and said how obviously the injuries are catching up with us, the schedule's catching up with us. But I think it was actually quite impressive given how much we were out on our feet, how we responded to their equaliser. I know Neto went off injured and that was a huge thing for us because he was their danger man. But I think given how knackered we were, it was quite impressive the way we came back into it. But um, Toon Poles. Yeah, so so I think I'd say one gained. point. I'd say one point gained. Yeah, Toon Poles agrees. So he's as ever, he he, we always ask for Toon Poles' vote and and why he's gone for it. And he said tough schedule of late, some key injuries, and in fairness, we got given a soft penalty. Draw your away games and win your home games, and you would do very well. So that's probably a fair assessment, isn't it? I think. Yeah. It's. I think if you go with the emotional reaction immediately after the game, it's easy to say it as ah, oh, this is another away game where. Just when we thought we were going to get an important away win, we've we went and dropped. Well, I'll tell you what it is for me. Yeah, sorry, go on. But yeah, but yeah, so it's easy to react emotionally to it and be really frustrated and look at the reality of the situation. Was we were ten minutes away from getting three points, just like we were at West Ham. But then when you take a step back, we've obviously had a few days. You analyse it: the injuries, the schedule, the fact we couldn't rotate because of that, the fact our penalty was a bit soft, and Wolves actually had some chances. I think all in all, you look at it and think it's probably not a bad point, but it just, yeah, it just puts us under pressure now to, to make sure we can kind of turn some of these frustrating draws into wins. Because like we've said, if you want to get back in the top four again, yeah, just look at what Villa, Spurs and the, and the rest are doing. You need to win games, but this was always th- going to be the challenge. I think that um, if you compare it to those nil-nils at home last season, do you remember when there was a bunch of nil-nils against Leeds and against mm. where we were just going and going and going and we couldn't score for a few weeks? Yeah. And they were they were home games. I find I found them way more frustrating than this. This is an away yes. game in the Premier League. We scored a couple of goals. I know one of them was a dodgy penalty. We could have lost, but we got a point. Those games last season where we didn't score and it was nil nil at home and all that sort that is very frustrating. But this isn't that. This is an away game in the Premier yeah, League. That's... A point away in the Premier League is always good. I think that's a good point, actually, because we did get ourselves in a difficult situation, didn't we, last year with like you say, the the, the nil nils against Leeds. I think there was a nil nil against Palace and this, if I'm looking at results at home this season, we ended that three-game run of defeats with a home win over Brentford. We then got a 2-0 win over Burnley, which was routine. We beat Palace 4-0. We've won cup games against Man City at home. We've hammered PSG at home. So Newcastle's becoming a fortress again. We, we seem to be better at breaking down those teams that come with a low block. I guess, as we've mentioned there as well, the Wolves away game was, yes, it's seen as winnable, but they've just beaten Man City at home. They've just got a point against Villa at home, who were two very good teams at the minute. So... Um, so yeah, I mean, the only other thing I was going to touch on before we move to, I think it's Twitter questions and the Man United stuff is just a few more comments on the players and best worst performers. And I know we, we talked about Trippier there and there's a bit of de- debate about Nick Pope as well, and that he didn't mm. really cover himself in glory for the two goals. Mm. I think 
the first one, he was kind of caught in no man's land a little bit. He almost he half came got out, didn't he? Caught. Yeah, yeah, and then I was a bit shocked that Trippier got bullied like he did by Lamina. And then obviously when it goes in, you're kind of thinking, firstly, you're a bit surprised Trippier got beaten as easily. And secondly, you almost expected Pope to get a bit closer to it. So, hmm. But I think the second goal was the more frustrating one where he... he Should have caught punched. it. Yes, so annoying. Oh. I was shouting at the TV at the time, why yeah. haven't you caught that? And then lo yeah. and behold, 20 seconds later, they've scored. So again, you, you can't hide from the fact Pope was poor and he needs to sort that out. But there was a few knee-jerk reactions on Twitter where they were suggesting, I think our priority next summer needs to be a new goalkeeper. And I'm thinking... Don't get me wrong, Pope has to sort out a couple of these mistakes because obviously they're with a goalkeeper, it's a ruthless business, isn't it? If you make mistakes, mm. you cost the team. But how often has Pope saved us? Um, mm. Just a couple of days ago, he was making that double save against Dortmund, which was almost the difference between getting a good result. So, so yeah, I think I think with Pope, his, his ability to play out from the back, particularly with his feet, is very poor. So he has to be a good shot stopper. He has to be a reliable goalkeeper. So I think generally he is, but obviously these mistakes... Uh, probably create those those debates about oh do we need an upgrade because obviously we know he's not good with his feet so he has to be a good goalkeeper in terms of his, his shot stopping and decision making but there doesn't need to be any overreaction there I don't think um, no. and yeah I think just finally just in terms of positives I thought Fabian Shaw was brilliant again obviously yeah, the defence yeah. generally I think was it looked a bit all over the place wasn't quite as organised and well drilled as it normally is but Shaw made some brilliant saving tackles sliding tackles to stop Neto and once again, playing out from the back. I think he did a little mazy run and then dinked it over to Longstaff. And it was it was exactly the same as last week. He did it again because yes, he did, didn't he last week do exactly the same little move dink to Longstaff, yeah, it, missed it. This time, it. move dink, Longstaff it missed did, it. <laughs> it did feel like deja vu. It was the Palace game, wasn't it, where yeah. he was coming out from the back? And so yeah, I thought he was probably the standout player. I thought Bruno in the first half was good. Generally, sort of looking breaking up the play, moving the ball well in midfield. Looked a bit tired in the second half, as everyone else did. I thought, without being brilliant, I thought Joe Linton was much better than he was against Palace and Dortmund. It wasn't sort of a dominating display from him, because again, fatigue, I think, set in for most of the team, and we didn't really impose ourselves like we normally can. But I thought he was better. He was picking up pockets of space, driving with the ball. Looked a bit more up for it, and maybe a bit fitter as well. So I thought that was encouraging. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's not too many positives to pick from it, but yeah, good to see Joe Linton looking better. Shaw once again, a standout player. And then Wilson as well. He deserves a mention for for becoming our third top scorer of all time in the Premier League. I think he's overtaken Andy Cole and Shola Amiobi now. So Yeah, and, and um, Peter Beardsley's only about four goals ahead of him now. So something like that. Yeah, I think he's just a couple. So I think Wilson's overall play was a bit rusty. I think Dawson kind of bullied him in the main. But I think I also read a stat that Wilson only completed five passes all game, which is a bit alarming. But he, he did what he needed to do, and that was take these two big chances. So... Mm. Um, that was the difference for us, for me in getting a point or, or losing in the end. Yeah, well, before we go to Twitter questions, let me just read some quotes from Eddie Howe. So he obviously is thinking about the same things and commenting on the same things we are, and he says this, he said this rather, doesn't say it, he's not here with me. Uh, he said this, certainly the schedule is something we're going to have to get used to this season, and this is what we want on a regular basis. This is the pinnacle, so we're not moaning about it. The only disappointment is we've got a lot of injuries to attacking players, and it's limited my options to change or freshen the players up but every player wants to play football and the lads will get a lot of football in the next few weeks. The glass is definitely half full. We have to be really positive after the performance and effort given. Nobody can say we weren't committed. We weren't brave and we didn't give everything to win the game. So I'm very proud of the players. So that's what Eddie says. He's kind of reflecting what everyone's thinking, but, but 
putting a positive spin on it a bit. And I think that's fair enough. Uh, we're doing You it. know, I love the we're... fact that where like a Jurgen Klopp would blame the schedule, he would moan, he would bemoan all the injuries, where Eddie Howe's kind of turned that into a positive to say that, look, we're playing more games because we're in the Champions League, because we're still in the Cup, and that's their positive things. It's easy to turn around and say, oh, feel sorry for us, the schedule's a joke, there's not enough rest for the players. But Howe's kind of saying, if you want to be at the top, this is what you've got to deal with. And I, I like that response because... Where sort of a Steve Bruce in the past might have put a, a downer on things, or where even the top managers like Jurgen Klopp would would complain, how always finds a way to say the right thing, doesn't he? So, so yeah, I like that. It's a good good outlook, I think. Um, right, Twitter Twitter questions. So each week we put on uh, Twitter or X, whatever it's called, uh, a chance to ask some questions. So let's have a look and see what we've got here. Uh, two seconds. My phone is completely frozen as normal. I'll probably edit this out. Maybe not. Let's see how long. Well, I've got him here. Right. So, <laughs> Twitter questions. Thank you very much, Davey R3. He always seems to ask a question. Very good. With the mounting injury list and the congested fixture schedule, do we heavily rotate this team against Man United like we did with City, even though realistically the Carabao Cup is probably our best chance of silverware? What do you think, Ollie? It's, it's, it's tough, this, isn't it? Because when you see how tied we were against Wolves, there's never been a game where we need to rotate more in terms of to put in an energetic performance, like because I, I would argue that that group of players maybe aren't capable of going again and putting in the sort of high-intensity performance we'd want to sh- put in at Man United. So we kind of need to rotate, but can we rotate? Like, what would the options be if we really did heavily change mm. the team? And and as as Davey said there as well, this is a massive chance to not only progress in the Cup, but beat a Man United team who look very beatable at the minute. So there's that massive debate, isn't there, or dilemma, should I say, that does how go with a team that is a stronger team, but a, a team absolutely shattered, or does he rotate with a team that is fresh, but maybe do they have enough to beat Man United? But the argument will also be that the team that played against Man City, which was Livermento, Target, Dummett, all of those guys, they actually did beat Man City, who were a much better team than Man United, as we saw on Sunday. So I think, I think in a way, the team that beat Man City have proven that they're good enough to be a good team. And, mix that with the fact that the current team who started against Wolves are knackered. I think I think how has enough proof to put to sort of believe in the team that beat Man City and and obviously with that evidence that the current team needs to be rested because they're not only knackered and probably can't put in the, the effort levels that they need to, but it would be risking injuries again, wouldn't it? So I think yeah. I think he's got enough based on the Man City win to say that he can put in the likes of Target, Livermento, Dummett. But yeah, it's it is a tough one, isn't it? Because this is an away game, not a home game and it's a it's a chance to get into the quarterfinals, isn't it? So where the draws opened up quite a bit as well. So yeah, I think it's a real dilemma, isn't it? I think it is. Well, we're, when we're gonna after the break, we'll talk about the Man United game. So we'll come back to that. And then Graham Richardson at Graham Richardson, pretty much, has said, "Why is it out of all the teams we played in Europe, ours looked the most shattered over the weekend?" And I think I'd suggest it's probably because of our injuries. I think we're we're not getting yeah. to rotate uh, as we would. Other teams have yeah. bigger squads. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Man City, you can put out two different 11s pretty much, world-class 11s, and we can't do that. Yeah. So so I think that's probably it. Is there, is there anything more complicated than that, Oli? No, I think that's just as simple as that. I mean, we said before the before the game at Wolves that normally Murphy would come in for Almiron, um, Barnes would come in for Gordon, arguably. You'd have Tenali come in, you'd have Anderson come in. It's centre-back, we haven't even got Botman. So as you said there, all of the players we would normally bring in to rotate, we haven't got fit and available. So we've just been forced to go with the same team. So it's of, our, it's of our of our summer business, yeah, of our summer business, Barnes is injured, Tonali's banned, and Hall and Livermento never play. So 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's and, an absolute and I think we said superb as well, summer transfer window. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of them as well where we can look at Hall and Livramento, but I think they play in positions where you don't really mess with rotation much. If they were wingers, and let's just say Almiron and Gordon were absolutely knackered in bad form or whatever, then you'd be crying for them to play. But when we've kept, before the Wolves game, we'd kept four clean sheets in our last five games. We were under the cosh at Wolves. The conditions were awful. Yes, Trippier was playing poorly. Yes, Byrne was, was on a booking and, and struggling with Neto at the time. But I don't think you mess with a defence as much. And with that, there are also two youngsters who haven't played much football. Hall didn't have a pre-season. Livermento started one competitive game, I think, at club level in 18 months. So I can see the arguments, but it's not a simple position to bring someone on, especially given the circumstances of the Wolves game. Um, but Man United game is the Man United game is the test of whether Howe has enough faith to, to put them in from the start, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, OK, right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, preview the Man United game on Wednesday. So, Ollie, we've touched on it a number of times. Man United preview. Um, when is it? Is it on TV? What do we need to know? Yeah, so it's on TV Wednesday night. Eight, I think it's eight eight fifteen kickoff, which is a bit of a peculiar time and quite a late, a late kickoff. Late and game, I, to yeah. be honest, feel a bit sorry for the seven thousand Newcastle fans travelling there because they might not be able to get a train back to Newcastle after that. I don't know, but it's going to be mm. running it pretty tight, isn't it? So yeah, quarter past eight Wednesday night on Sky Sports. But yeah, there should be a good following going there. I think it's seven thousand in the away end, which should be good. Not bad, yeah. And and we've touched on injuries. Any anything we need to know really? What what has House said about the game? Well, I mean, with with Alexander Isak and Jacob Murphy, Howe's pretty much said that there's a high chance Isak's out until after the break, which is bad bad news, but it was kind of to be expected. So Isak remains out. I think Jacob Murphy was going for a sort of a, a second look at his dislocated shoulder and they were deciding whether he's going to need surgery or not. And Howe said that they, they kind of fear that he will need surgery. So Isak's out until after the break. Murphy looks like he needs surgery and I don't know how long that'll be. Maybe you'll have to get in touch with, is it Ben Dinner or your, your mate who yeah. does the Premier League injury updates? Maybe he can give us an idea of how long that would be if there's a if there's surgery needed. So yeah, both of those are going to miss out. Obviously, Tonali's suspension. Harvey Barnes out until probably Christmas time, the new year. Elliot Anderson's out for eight weeks with a back injury. I think Howe hasn't spoken yet about the, you'll speak Tuesday morning uh, to the press, but he, I'd be surprised if Botman is fit for this one, I think. Last week, Howe said that he, he hadn't trained yet with the, the, the team. So I'm, I'd be surprised if Botman's back. Lewis Miley has had glandular fever and still recovering from that. So I think all in all, the seven first team players missing from the squad. So we haven't got many, many ro- yeah. options to rotate, have we? No, we haven't. I mean, we'll, we'll as I said, we'll do our predicted 11s in a minute. But we are facing a Man United team that are in a bit of a mess. And if we manage to beat Man United, you know, there's a big chance, isn't there, to get to a final again, potentially. Well, yeah, I mean, and this is where the dilemma comes in in terms of what team we play with because it's really hard to to know whether we should go with the, the stronger team who are knackered or rotate with the sort of second team where we can and obviously risk not not playing our big guns against a really beatable Man United team. But I've looked at the draw. Obviously, we knocked out Man City. Uh, Spurs are out. So the, the big guns remain in our Arsenal, who were away at West Ham, and Liverpool away at Bournemouth. The other ties are things like Mansfield against Port Vale, Exeter City against Middlesbrough, Everton, Burnley, Ipswich, Fulham, uh, Chelsea, Blackburn. I know Chelsea is still a big team, but they're not exactly playing very well at the minute. So if you look at that draw, if we could go into a quarterfinal, which is going to feature one of Mansfield or Port Vale, one of Exeter or Middlesbrough, one of Ipswich or Fulham, one of Everton or Burnley, there's a 
you can see that the draw is really going to well potentially open up for us if we can beat Man United. And so yeah, we'd be we'd be into the quarterfinals of of a, of a draw that is looking fairly weak without the likes of Man City in it. So there's a big chance yeah. if we can beat beat Man United, definitely. Well, so okay, what team do you think we're going to play? This is this is tricky, isn't it? <laughs> this is probably our hardest oh. predicted eleven, I imagine, because who knows where he's going to rotate, and we haven't got that many options, I suppose. But I mean, it's I going mean, to be starting in goal. Yeah. What do on. you reckon? I mean, I think with does Eddie Howe keep faith in Pope, or does he give Dubravka a chance? Dubravka played against City in the first. Am I right in saying he played against Man City in the uh, last round? Can't remember. Should I find out? I, I don't. I think we maybe were expecting it, but maybe he didn't play. I'm trying to remember what the team was for that game um it was nick pope in goal oh it was pope hmm. i think i think to be honest with you debravka hasn't played a great deal but then how said pre-season that debravka will get his chances this season so after pope's errors against wolves this would be a game where you'd think well we'll give debravka a chance obviously pope will keep his place in the premier league and in the champions league but i you'd be worried if you're debravka or you'd be thinking I want to move in January, I'd say, if he doesn't start this game. So I'll be honest, I think it's more likely that he keeps faith in Pope because I don't think he'll want to change it too much. And that's mm. one position in the team where you don't have to worry about fatigue. Mm. So I th think I think you'll play Pope, but I think Dubravka won't be very happy with that. I think, are we both agreeing Livermento at right back? I think so. And then Target at left back. Yeah, I agree. I, I know people will say Lewis Hall at left back, but I think we said Target did well when he came on against Dortmund. Mm. I think also... Hall's lack of pre-season, his lack of minutes so far, it's, it would be throwing him into the deep end a bit to, to start away at Old Trafford. I know he's, he's capable of it. I saw Chelsea play in Man United away last season and Hall was Chelsea's best player, but I just, I think Target will, will start. So I agree, agree with that, Livermento and Target at fullback. I think Man City, the Man City game in the last round, it was Lascelles and Dummett at centre-back, wasn't it? So mm. do you think it'll be that pairing again? I think it kind of has to be. I mean, unless you're going to just pay Lascelles and Shah again and just run them into the ground, it's probably going to be Dunnett and Lascelles. Yeah. And maybe... The, the tough... Yeah, I don't know. The tough thing here is Shah's in such good form. Mm. But with that, you almost want to protect him a little bit. If Because can you imagine if Shah pulled his hamstring at Man United? So there's there's kind of that dilemma here. Do we protect Shah? Or do we play... Who's, well, without doubt, our most informed centre-back at the minute. So... There's that debate, but then there's also a debate that Dummett was brilliant against Man City, so surely he deserves another chance. So mm. so I think, to be honest with you, I'm going to say that you'll play Livermento, Lascelles, Dummett and Target again, because let's face it, that was the defence. They got a clean sheet against Man City, a much better team than Man United, mm. and they've all, almost earned the right to play. Um, and obviously with that, we might be wise to protect Char for other games to come, because we're going to be playing Arsenal at the weekend and then Dortmund um, torment away the following week. So, Crikey, yeah. um, we really need some of these injuries to start clearing up, don't we? <laughs> yeah. And then in, in midfield, we're very limited. I've just said there, Anderson's out, Miley's out, Tonali's banned. So I think there's basically three of four going to play. You've got Bruno, Longstaff, Joe Linton and Willock. You've got to really pick three of them unless he plays Hall in midfield. Um, so there's another option because he can play there. So, Oh, it's tough to pick. I think I'll go and say that Willock will start this one. I think he's had two cameos against, obviously, Dortmund and then Wolves, and he's probably in a position now to step it up and play. And I think Man United also give you space beyond their midfield. They seem to be really poor at protecting that defence, and Willock's the sort of player who can really expose that with his pace and ability to carry the ball and cause problems. So I think Willock could be someone ideal for this game. It all depends whether Howe thinks he's ready to start again, but I think it would be asking for trouble to play to play a long staff Bruno and, and Joe Linton again. I think again, a bit like the Char situation, you'd be we'd be risking an injury there. So I think I'll say 
Longstaff, Bruno and Willock on the basis that Joe Linton's just come back from injury and has started three games in a row, hasn't he, against Palace, Dortmund and and uh, Wolves. So asking mm. him to play four times in 10 days or so after those injuries would probably be a bit much. Um, I don't know whether you agree with that midfield. Yeah, yeah, probably. So say it again, sorry. So I reckon Longstaff, Bruno and, and Willock is what I'd yeah. go for. Yeah, okay, probably. Yeah, I mean, Willock could also play left wing, couldn't he? Um, or yes, Joe Linton could play point. left wing. Because uh, if we're going to give Gordon a rest, well, are we? <laughs> but if we yeah. do, then who are we going to play there? Because Barnes is obviously not fit. Anderson's not fit. Um, I think it shows Isak's the situation we're in, that it's so tough to to do this. Because normally, mm. had, had we had everyone fit, we would have been able to say, right, easy. Murphy comes in for Ambron. Isak comes in up top. Uh, Tonali plays in midfield with Anderson. It would be so simple, probably. Well, mm. I know it's easier said than done predicting what Howe will do, but it would have made sense to to predict mm. it without the injuries. But with so many injuries and with the fatigue, it's kind of, you're stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place, really trying to guess what Howe will do. Mm. But I think Wilson going to the front three, I think Wilson's a difficult one because he's had to play a lot of games now, hasn't he? He started the Palace game. He didn't start against Dortmund, but effectively played the full match with Isaac's early injury. Then he's played against Wolves in tough conditions and a pretty pretty tough game for us there. So we, we've said it a lot. Can Wilson sort of play effectively four full games in, in 10 days? It's not something he tends to come through well. And we can't afford for him to get an injury given that Isaac looks very likely to be out until the international break. So is this a game where we use one of Joe Litton or Gordon up front? Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. <laughs> if you're asking think, me, I don't know. Yeah. I think Almiron will have to play again on the right. And then I think it's a debate between is it Wilson or Gordon up front? And if it's Gordon, could Joe Linton play on the left? Um, so, yeah, that's a pretty uh, on the fence predicted lineup. But I think that just sums up the position we're in, really. Uh, I'd kind of be surprised if Wilson started again. So I wouldn't be surprised if the front three was something like Joe Linton or Willock on the left, Gordon as a sort of false nine, and then Almiron on the right. It could easily be that, I think. Basically, if you're listening to this, uh, what are the predicted lineups? No idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, that's, there's some that's thoughts. the predicament we're in. <laughs> yeah, I think those are some thoughts uh, on on what it could be. What do you think the score is going to be, uh, Ollie? Well, Man United are in a mess, aren't they? I know we. Um, I mean, I, I'm presuming we both watched the Manchester derby on Sunday, and they look. I mean, they've, to be honest with you, they've looked poor for a long time, but they've often got away with it. The amount of mm. games I've watched Man United in, where I thought they've really rode their luck, I saw. The first game of the season against Wolves, Wolves were denied a blatant penalty and they had all of the big chances. Man United somehow won that. They somehow beat Brentford a couple of weeks ago where I think McTominay scored two late goals to save them. Copenhagen missed a penalty in the Champions League last week to get a draw and that would have been a shocking result for Man United. And I also watched them in away games against Burnley and Sheffield United and they scraped to wins in both, but again, weren't convincing. So even when they win, they're fortunate and they kind of got what was coming to them on Sunday against Man City. So... They're in kind of, I don't know if you'd say turmoil, but they're in a mess, aren't they? And they're probably one, well, another bad result away from Ten Hag being under really, really serious pressure. So, um, but then we've mentioned there what the predicament we're in with injuries and the, how tired we are. So, you know what? I think we're going to, I think we're going to just edge it. I'm going to say 2-1. I think it'll be, it might be similar to Wolves and it'll be a real slog and I think we'll be tired. Yeah. Obviously, it's dependent on how much we rotate. But I think it'll be one of those tough games where we're not going to have it all our own way. But I just think we've got the edge on them. We're better defensively. The club's in a better position at the minute. I rate how more highly than I do Ten Hag. And I think the atmosphere inside Old Trafford could be pretty tense as well. Mm. Um, I think 1-1 and penalties will go through. 
because it goes straight to penalties. There's no replays, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it's just as well. Imagine this. Imagine our team going to extra time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. And also another replay, another game in the schedule. So I'm glad they've got rid of them. Yes, definitely. Um, well, we'll find out on Wednesday, so looking forward to, to that. Uh, we're going to end with an FYI, man. You're testing me, so very exciting. We'll put the dramatic music here. Let's go. Right. Bordeaux. Newcastle. Wigan. Man United. No particular order. Man United, Newcastle. Who was the other one? Wigan. Oh, I know it. Yeah, I've got it. Um, Another team he's played for, just in case anyone playing along at home hasn't got it yet. He's also played for Anzi Makalika. I'm not sure I've pronounced that right. I probably haven't. But remember that Russian team who were at one point had Samuel Eto'o and Willian and Chris Samba, and then they went bust, I think. You also played for them. Yeah, yeah, I do remember them, actually. Anzi Makalika. Um, yeah, the so yes, this player was was uh, French, and yeah. he uh, was sometimes looked un world sort of beat world beater, and other times looked like he'd won a competition to play. Yeah, mostly uh, the Gab- <laughs> Gabriel Aubertan. Yes, that's uh, the one. And I remember sorry, there's a clip where he for Man United where he literally just just dribbles no one's near him he just dribbles off runs off the pitch <laughs> with the ball you know what? he just... had the build and the pace and sometimes the, the footwork and the skill to be as you say a, a good player but it was it he was featured pretty someone... well in in Pardew's team you know he came off the bench a few times scored a goal I remember he scored against Blackburn away I think that won us a game 2-1 or something like that and vague memories but yeah he didn't yeah. do it often I've just checked and he scored twice in 58 games for us was one against that's Blackburn? That... I'm sure it was something like that. <laughs> I'll trust you, yeah. But um, yeah. talking of goals, I've got a little stat that I saw. I'll... Sort of Man United theme here. So across Hoyland, this is going back to Man United, across Hoyland, Anthony, Anthony Martial and Jaden Sancho, um, over £250 million spent, zero goals this season. And I'm comparing Tricky. four attackers for Newcastle, Callum Wilson, Isaac, Gordon and Miggy. 18 goals in the Premier League across this season. So that is slightly selective because the likes of uh, mm. Marshall and Sancho haven't played a great deal, but it just shows there how poorly Man United have spent their money. There's all the complaints you... about the Glazers, which I get to an extent, but mm. I think no club spent more over the past decade than Man United. So that shows how yeah. badly they've spent their money, doesn't it? And another stat, Man United after yesterday have now lost as many games since Ferguson left oh. at Old Trafford than they did in 26 years under him or something. Oh, that's an awful sign. Yeah. That is horrible. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's another defeat on uh, Wednesday night anyway. Exactly. Yeah, let's rack them up. Right. Thanks very much, Ollie. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Please like us five star, write a review, do all that sort of stuff. And we will be back. Well, actually, I won't be. I'm going on holiday on Wednesday um, to Cyprus, which is lovely. And I'm going to be away for 10 days or so. So um, we're g- you, Ollie will be back with someone else potentially. Uh, but yes. we're definitely the NUFC blogcast will be back at some point. So keep your eyes open. And uh, yeah, and I'll, 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 I'll be back with you in, in a couple of weeks. But thank you very much for listening, everyone. Say goodbye, Ollie. Ollie. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network.